Hey guys, welcome back to the Locked On Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We are your hosts, TJ Branson and Zachary Vogel. Hey, hey, hey. It's Monday night for us. This episode is going to be out Tuesday. So for Tuesdays, we're going to start running through a segment called Are They Real? Basically our way of doing a sustainable or unsustainable type episode. Uh, before we get into that, let's get into some injuries. we got a really big one, man. Vladimir Tarasenko. He is going to be reevaluated in five months. That's March for an evaluation. You know who's moving up? It's Rob Thomas of Matchbox 20, man. So they're running, lines, <laughs> they're running lines of Schwartz, Shen, and Thomas, Sanford, Ryan O'Reilly, and David Perron. Robbie Fabry, Tyler Bozak, and Alex Steen. The power plays are Schwartz, Shen, Thomas, Dunn, Perrieko, Power Play 2, Perron, ROR, Bozak, Petrangelo, and Falk. For me, this is a big win for anybody that's even thinking about Rob Thomas. We've been pumping his tires a little bit going into this year. This is a perfect situation for him. It's It sucks when somebody gets hurt that you think of it as a good thing for somebody else. But Rob Thomas, you are getting your chances right now. And you were saying about uh, Jaden Schwartz being the guy to eyeball right now. I think it's Schwartz and Thomas. So you were talking about how Thomas is getting that first power play deployment and that first line right winger job. Thomas is only 2% owned in Yahoo and 4.5% owned in ESPN. Go out and scoop him. Swartz a little bit more owned, but a lot lower than I was thinking it was going to be. 34% in Yahoo and 42% in ESPN. And he's been producing. He's definitely at the very least worth a stream, if not a long-term roster hold. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm leaning more towards that long-term thing for Jaden Schwartz. Even without Tarasenko, Schwartz is still going to be able to do his thing. So next up is Evgeny Malkin. He's he's eyeing a return Saturday against the Oilers. Galchenyuk's also skating again. He's a game-time decision for Tuesday's game. He was out with spider-like symptoms. With Malkin, we're, we're seeing some weird things, man. Apparently, he might do some jail time for some cryptocurrency scam. I have no idea what any of this is about. Apparently, his signatures were on some documents, and they said that he was an American citizen when he's actually a Russian citizen. I have no idea what's going on there. I don't think he's going to jail. Anyway, he also lost. He got scammed $4 million. So I think it's all crap. Malkin back for Saturday. Galchenyuk at 33% in ESPN, 34 in Yahoo. I'm going to be hopping on that one. We actually got a question on Twitter about dropping JVR for Galchenyuk. No. My, it's a really weird league that he's in. It's like a five-man roster with three forwards, two D, and one goalie. It was, it was really strange. But he, he was streaming Christian Dvorak for today. So our suggestion, me and Fantasy Hockey Trades on Twitter, we were saying that your best course of action is get rid of Dvorak, pick up Galchenyuk and JVR because I like JVR a little bit more than Galchenyuk because you're betting on a streak to happen with Galchenyuk when you're already in the middle of a streak with JVR. So I want the surefire streak that's already happening with the numbers to back it up rather than betting on Galchenyuk. But if there's a case where you can get both, definitely go for it. Am I the only child in the room that loves to hear about Galchenyuk having spider-like symptoms? Bit by a radioactive spider. We'll see. <laughs> okay, so a couple of storylines that are, well, kind of interesting to start out our Tuesday here. Carter Hart being dropped like a bag of potatoes, dude. He got pulled out of, what, two of his last three starts? Yep. He's allowed 12 goals on 43 shots. One of the most dropped players over the last couple of games. Elliot is playing well in his stead, so it doesn't bode well for Carter Hart. So what are we thinking? It's going to be more of a timeshare for Starter Hart than the 1A, 1B like, like we thought going into it? It almost looks that way. I mean, Elliot has seen time in the last four four games for Philadelphia. I mean, I hate to sell him because his stock is going to be super low right now. But I mean, where do you see it going in the future for Hart? What what exactly is his ceiling? 
Uh, his ceiling was definitely really high, like we were saying, going into this season. With Brian Elliott, he's only 12% owned right now in Yahoo. So that could be something that you jump on when it looks like the tides are kind of shifting right now. But I don't know if you guys know this, but Zach and I were both Flyers fans. We follow the Pulse here in Philly pretty closely. Elliott's going to get hurt. It's almost a guarantee. So <laughs> if you're looking at a league where goalie stats are a huge impact, I think you got to make moves right now to get those wins in. And nobody's touching Hart right now. If he's on the waiver wire, he's hot garbage. Nobody wants to touch that. Keep in mind that the second he does have a good game, we're going to see him go from the most dropped player to the most added player. Would you make a Carter Hart for Jacob Markstrom swap? He's going to get yeah, six I starts, think I think. Would. Because the Philadelphia offense isn't hurting. Maybe he's getting pulled from games, but I expect that to come on through the season. He is still a young kid, but I don't think he's going to let it get to him. If they're still scoring goals, I can still get wins. We saw it in that Columbus game. Even though it was Elliott and Nett, they gave up a bunch of goals, but they were able to storm back in the third period. And it's worth noting that the Flyers allowed 25 high-danger scoring chances against the Isles. Hart is seeing a ton of blown coverage. There's also the argument that Elliott did just fine against the same team. So just keep in mind that Hart's just having a rough stretch. Most goalies do. So if you need the wins right now, I'm cool. Go ahead and drop him. People are seeing it. So next up, real quick, let's just take a second and preach some patience here. Yeah, man. There are a couple players I want to highlight here that are frustrating some owners. So a little bit different than the cold streaks that we're going to go into. Just because people are starting to drop and lose faith in both Timo Meyer and Rupi Hintz. Timo Meyer, uh, the shots are there. He's got 31 shots in 12 games. He's on pace for over 200 shots yet again. His shooting percentage is half what it was last year, albeit that it was higher than league averages last year. He's still shooting half as successfully this year. He's seeing a minute and a half more ice time this year, 25 extra seconds on the power play, but he's only on pace for 27 points. you got to take into account that the Sharks are only shooting at 6.4 when Meyer's on the ice. Meyer is seeing his on-ice goals for cut by over half. Uh, the Sharks as a team are struggling. We see it with the Stars. The same can be said about the Sharks. He's also shooting about half as much per 60, even with the extra ice time. We're not seeing as many shots as one would hope. Now, Meyer is getting a good chunk of even strength deployment. Obviously, we want to see guys on the top power play. You you want to think that he could get more work done from a power play that's not struggling as much as I thought. To put it in perspective, the Sharks are tied with Ottawa, Los Angeles, and Calgary. Calgary is also struggling for fifth worst goals for per game. So something just needs to strike in the right fashion for the Sharks. That's what needs to happen. It needs to be a team-wide shift. Speaking of the stars, another guy that we need to just calm down on, this is your guy. This is your guy, the poopy man himself. Poopy Hints. A.K.A. Rupee. I love that. Also known as his real name. His mother, I guess, calls him Rupee. So Poopy Hints has two goals in his last eight games, 14 shots on goal. Hasn't had a hit or a block in these past four games. And his time on ice is dipping into the 14s. In these eight games, the Stars have seen to be outscored 13 to 21, two for 22 on the power play. Not good. We talked about this a little bit yesterday with the Stars and how they're just anemic right now. Rupee Hens isn't the only one. All the Stars. Can we just stop talking about them and how we need to wait for something to happen? Yeah. I, I hope so. I want to see them do better. Hintz is still shooting at, at a decent clip, 25% to be exact. And this was to be expected when his uh, shooting percentage first popped off in, in the early part of the year at 40% in the first five games. 
I mean, where do you see this going with, with Ruby Hintz? Do you think he's going to see more of that top-line time, see more of that first power play time? Or do you think he's going to get supplanted? Hell, he's got a chance to land anywhere in that lineup. There is absolutely no continuity in their lines. Jesus. I mean, we got, everything around. we got Pavelski on line four one game, line two the next. Ben's all over the place. So they need to have one good game, build some momentum. Right now as a team, they're shooting at 4.1%. They need something to give to give everyone a chance to get things moving. We feel like broken records over here talking about the Stars. So maybe we can just put a pin in it unless something big happens. And then when the Stars start picking up, we'll start talking about them again. After the break, we're going to get into the Are They Real segment. We're going to talk about hot players, cold streaks. Let's take a second to hear from our sponsor. All right, man, we are back. We already did the meat. We're into the potatoes. Now let's talk about Are They Real? And we're going to talk about a bunch of Florida Panthers who are actually getting shellacked right now. Samuel Montembeau <clears throat> gave up three goals on five shots, and then Bobrovsky gave up a goal on the first shot that he saw. It's 5-1. to one. Barkov only had five minutes and ten seconds of ice time in the first period, which is just wild. They're all getting points. All of those guys that we talked about from Vancouver. I feel so vindicated. In the first ten minutes, every single line had scored a goal. Josh Lievo even scored. Well, let's Josh talk about Lievo the. has a goal and an assist, dude. What a Michael Furlan has two assists. Oof. Tanner Pearson has an assist. Jake Virtanen has a goal. Shotgun Jake. So enough patting ourselves on the back. Let's <laughs> no, no. There's never, there's never enough for that. Uh, let's talk about some hot players from Florida. Some depth scoring because that's all we can seem to get because Barkov can't find the back of the net for the life of him. Let's talk about Dennis Malgin, Mackenzie Weger, Brett Connolly, and Frank Vetrano. I'm going to take Dennis Malgin because I know you just picked up Mackenzie Weger and you need to defend yourself. Five myself for shit. Dennis Malgin has a five-game point streak. He's got eight points in eight games. That's notwithstanding the game tonight. I don't think he has a point. I forget. It was Brian Boyle that scored that goal. Five-game point streak, eight points in eight games, two goals, four assists with one power play point, six shots on goal, two hits, two blocks. He had 14-20 average time on ice during this streak with one minute and 11 seconds of power play time on ice. Right now, he's pacing for 73 points. He's got a career high of 22 points and a career high pace of 35 points in 17 and 18. He's shooting at 17.6 on the season. That's a bit high for his 13% three-year average. Not going to give you anything on perifs, and he's gone two games all season without a point. This might be the third tonight against the Canucks. What are we thinking about Dennis Malgin? Is this somebody that we can count on for sustainable points? You playing with Mike Hoffman this whole time? And I Frankie, guess he is. And Frankie the Meathead Vetrano? He's, if he's going to be centering that second line, TJ, then yeah, until that ends, he's pick upable for a stream. Definitely going to stream the guy. And you got to think that as soon as Vincent Trocek comes down, Dennis Malgin is not going to be your second line center anymore. Probably won't even be your third line center with Brian Boyle on the, on the case now. Brian Boyle with the goal tonight. How about that? So my verdict is no, this is not sustainable. We're not going to see a 73-point Dennis Malgin this year. I don't think I'm blowing anybody over saying those types of words, but yeah, it's not going to happen. During a streak like this, you got to reap the benefits. Maybe it's over. Maybe we can get in on the ground floor of something a little better. Mackenzie Weger, sell me. Come on, Mackenzie Weger. I told, I told you about Mackenzie Weger the other day, and you called me some things that I can't say on air. Well, I probably can, but I still won't because they were mean. It hurt my feelings. How's Keith so, Yandel on the third pairing? Jesus. Because Mackenzie Weger is the shit. That's why. <laughs> so Mackenzie Weger, he has seven points in his last seven games. Two goals and five assists, all on 11 shots on goal. All even Shooting strength. at 18.2%. All at even strength. 
You know why it's solid even strength? Because man don't get any power play time. And he says, I don't need your power play to score points. I'm going to score all these on the reg. I've um, never seen somebody get more amped up about Mackenzie Weger. I'm loving it. Because I got to sell you. All right. You know what he is getting, TJ? And I know you like this. He gets a ton of minutes on ice. Because he's a defenseman. Top-pairing so, defenseman. Yeah. So he's on the ice with all these other people that should be scoring goals. If he can somehow crack into that power play, then it's going to be a good thing. Ooh, Mike Hoffman just scored. Son of a bitch. I'm playing against him. <laughs> Mackenzie Weger, it would have been really cool if he would have been on this goal that just happened. That would have been Vindicators, too. I would have turned off and been like, all right, I'm done. Mic drop. We out. So I'm going to play devil's advocate here. Mackenzie Weger on pace for 60 points. That's not going to happen. I'm not saying he's going to get 60 points, TJ. He's got a career high of 15 points. <laughs> His career high pace is 19, so I don't he's know about that. There. He's having a career year, dude. <laughs> he's halfway he to a career year. He's having a career year. That I don't doubt. 60 points, no. He's shooting at 18.2% on 11 shots right now. His career average is 4%. But he's so, doing all of this while they're still sucking. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? That's my real argument. He's doing all this while they're playing horribly. Now, I'm not saying to hold on for him the entire year. I'm not saying to keep him for next year. You know what I mean? Somebody Is um, he real? I don't know if I can give you that answer right now. I, no, I'm thinking no, it no. ain't real, man. I'll give I'm you the answer. No. He ain't real. thinking no. So... <laughs> Somebody I am a little more sold on is Brett Connolly. His ice time isn't that great. He's got a minute 46 on the power play, which is kind of cool. But he's got 15 minutes average time on ice this year. He's got nine points in 11. He's on pace for 67 points. His career high is 46 points in 81. And that was with Washington last year. He is a high shooting percentage player. His career average is around 14. This year it's at 27, which is obviously unsustainable. He's never been a big shooter. He had 139 in 81 games last year. But he's getting two more minutes of ice time. Three times the power play time on ice from last year. Better line mates so far. He has seen some time with Ovi and Kuznetsov where he did score 10 points in 19 games during that stretch. He's a deep league guy. He's kind of like a streamer in 12s. And anything less, it's just a spot start. If you're holding on to Brett Connolly in an 18 league, stop it. I don't think this is real for Brett Connolly. I think maybe we can get 45 points out of the guy. I just don't see a 60-point breakout from Brett Connolly. I, do like, I, I love his ice time, too, because... When it was Hoffman, Trocek, it was Connolly as that third wheel. I told you that a yeah. while ago. Yeah, man, you 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 got in on the ground floor with that one. You were one of the first people I've ever heard suggest Brett Connolly. So I definitely got to give you some kudos there. Frank Fertrano, if you are fans of Five Hole Fantasy Hockey at all, you know that we don't like Frank Fertrano's face. Kind of we try and avoid talking about him. This year he's got five points in 11 games played, three goals, two assists with one minute and 46 seconds power play time on ice with 15-22 average time on ice. His line mates play a lot into it. I like him when he's in the top six like he is tonight, and I'm kind of iffy when he's on the third line. Uh, they're scoring, don't get me wrong. Like They're getting good depth scoring. When uh, when Trocek comes back, if it's Connolly over Vitrano, I'm taking Connolly. And Frankie V, man, he he's usually a hitter. He had 139 hits last year, 208 shots on goal, 24 goals. What's your verdict on Vitrano? Are we going to get another 20-plus goals out of him? He's on pace for more shots than he had last year. I think, yeah. I hate to say it, but I think, yeah. Sounds like something he can do. Not not a fan of it, but uh, I really hope I get to pick him up while I'm playing you one week. <laughs> All right, so let's talk about 7% in Yahoo. 48% ESPN, 
Tony D'Angelo, who just got the top power play over Jacob Trouba. He got the top power play over Trouba? Trouba was killing it in the beginning of the year. Now it's the time to trade for Trouba when people are going to get pissed off that he's not on the power play. He will be back up there. However, Tony D'Angelo has eight points in his last nine games with three multi-point games making that case. With six of those nine points coming in the last three games played. Come on. At two shots a game... Not much for banger stats, but he's got to be a stream here. And don't worry about the whole Truba thing. For now, if Tony D'Angelo is getting that top power play deployment, he's the guy you want. He is, however, shooting over four times his career average. He shot a 3.6% last year, which was not... Yo, kill that cat. And is shooting 22% right now. Come on. This is craziness. Also, his average time on ice is 17 minutes and 22 seconds so far this year. It's looking good for him right now, but is he going to continue to hold off Truva? What's your verdict? Do you remember that, like, 11-game assist streak that D'Angelo had last year? Hold up. Tell me you're killing that cat. Okay, I closed the door. Beautiful. For me, for Tony D'Angelo, I think he's got streaks in him. He can do it, but with Truba, we're going to get to him later when it comes to the cold streaks. This is not something that's going to stay forever. Don't worry about it. Stream D'Angelo while he's getting that top power play. Nothing else. Uh, somebody that I do like a little more long-term is Callie Yarncroke. In the five games Forsberg's been out, Yarncroke is averaging 17.22 of time on ice. He's got four points in his last five games played. On 13 shots. Before Forsberg was out, he had five points in six games with 13.39 average time on ice. So that's almost a four-minute bump. I'm loving his deployment right now. He's getting 123 on the power play. He's playing with Rijo, RV versus Grimaldi and Turris. Even when Forsberg comes back, they've experimented with Forsberg on a line with Duchesne. That's actually his most common line mates is Duchesne and Granlund. I'm not going to be surprised if I see a top six of Yarncroke, Rijo, RV with Forsberg, Duchesne, and Grayland. And I think I'm going to hop on Yarncroke ASAP and be more long-term with him. I actually just picked him up. I also got kind of a soft spot for him because he won me $80 one time in DFS. So I'm always going to love Cali Yarncroke. I will agree with you. Cali Yarncroke is for real. I don't like agreeing with you, but I'm going to have to on this one. He's clicking. So next up, we have Ilya Mikhaev, one of my guys from the Toronto Maple Leafs. Currently playing on the second line left wings with Alexander Kerfoot and Mitch Marner. In the five games that Tavares has been out, he's still racked up four points. One goal, three assists on 13 shots. He's getting some okay time on ice. He saw 18 a little over 18 minutes um, in his first game uh, without Tavares. And then it dipped down to about 16 and a half in the most recent game. I love his most recent shot volumes. Time on ice is decent, like we said. When Zach Hyman comes back and John Tavares comes back, what really happens to Ilya Mikhaev? I just hope that they don't put him down on the third line with like a Jason Spezza and and Kasperi Kapanen. He does remind me a lot of Hyman, just like with a better offensive upside uh, way about him. They both play on the PK. They're good on the forecheck. My gut feeling is that they're going to put Hyman right back there because that's what they did last year. He's making a real case. I don't think anybody made a real case for that to happen last year. Do you? Do you think anybody actually made a real case to say, hey, I should be playing on this spot instead of Zach Hyman? Oh, no, no. Hyman Hyman's super hardworking. He is a BFG, dude. He's a BFG. You ever see this, kid? I like it right now. And what's nice is that Hyman's not going to be back for another week or two. He has been skating. 
Hasn't been cleared yet. My verdict, he is for real. Yeah, I think this is what we're going to be looking at. I don't know if a 10 and 13 pace is what we're going to be looking at, but, you know, 45, 50 points is not out of the realm of possibility. Somebody that has been playing out of their mind, Ryan Ellis. So he's got 10 points in his last 7, 13, and 11 games played on the season. He's got two goals, 11 assists, shooting at only 8.3, which is pretty close to a 7% average. He's getting 23.07 average time on ice with more power play time on ice than ever. He's getting 232. That's a 42% share of Nashville's power play time. Three power play points. He's playing alongside Roman Yossi at even strength. His even strength IAPP isn't staggeringly high. Four out of his 11 assists are secondary, and I don't think that his 97-point pace is going to hold up. But he is basically playing that P.K. Subban position in the pecking order right now. So over under on 50. I want to say over because I I think their power play will come back this year and they won't be bottom of the barrel this year. Over under on 55. Under 52 is what I'm thinking. So between 50 and 55 is where we're going to land. Anthony Duclair is the next guy I want to talk about, man. On pace for 268 shots. This week is not the week you want to have Anthony Duclair, but definitely get him on your radar. His shooting percentage is 11%. If he's shooting at that with 268 shots, that's 29 goals. He's playing top line. He's only getting 15 and a half minutes of time on ice, but he's getting 246 power play time on ice. He's got over a hit per game right now. I don't know how much I expect that to be a thing, considering that Duke usually winds up in the 30s and 40s by year's end for hits, but maybe he comes out and has a real physical year this year. I don't know if I am going to put him down for 29 goals, 20-plus. I'm thinking that's a definite possibility. You're Um, not even taking 20-plus? I could maybe see 20-plus. I'm not saying no 29. I mean, if he keeps up at this pace, it's still early, and he is playing for Ottawa. So I'm not giving him a chance to crack 30 goals. I'm putting him at, like, 23. That's a far cry from 29, dude. Yeah, I'm definitely taking the under on 29. I'll take the over on 20. 25 is getting a little iffy. Last up, we're looking at Jake Muzzin, who has eight points in his last nine games played with barely any power play time. He's pacing out for 57 points right now with 25 hits and 13 games played. His on-ice shooting percentage is 17.5%, where his career is right around 9. He's been on the ice for 20 goals so far, and that's a lot higher than what he's used to. 33.5% more goals than he's accustomed to. He's definitely going to see more action. Shots are actually down a little little bit for Muzzin. Uh, Maybe we take a longer look at Muzzin who is uh, 81% owned in Yahoo and 76% in ESPN. I would definitely say that it's time to sell high, TJ. What about you? No, I agree with that totally, man. He's just, he's he's lucking into this kind of production, which is kind of crazy. Barely any power play time, like you said. He's hitting real well over to a game, and his IPP is right around average. So there's nothing saying that this can't be sustainable. I just don't think we're going to get a wild, no power play time, 60-point guy out of Toronto. I agree with you. Sell high. All right. So before we get into our cold streaks, which are coming up next, uh, we're going to take a real quick break. So let's do it up. All right, man. To start off our cold streaks, we're going to start off close to home, close to the heart. Sean Couturier. This one kind of stings, man. Like we said, we're Flyers fans. He's only got five points in 10 games played with no power play points. He's on pace for everybody else is producing. Uh, Yeah. And that's what I want to say is He's on pace for 41 points right now. He's actually doing super good in the faceoff circle. He's 68% in the faceoff circle. That's, I mean, that's something to hang your hat on. Let's take a look at his even strength line mates. Travis Konechny, 13 points in 10 games, 7 at even strength. Oscar Lindblom, 7 points in 10 games, 4 at even strength. Terry is shooting at 3 shots a game, which is fantastic given that he's dropped 3 minutes and 30 seconds average time on ice from last year. 
He's seeing his goals per 60 go down by half. You mix that with losing Giroux, who he did have excellent chemistry with. All this paired with the fact that he is seemingly the only player on the second power play to have not cashed in on their success. I don't think we can bet on a 70-plus season from the second line for Couturier. If the Flyers, they if they go back to Coots as the 1C when Nolan Patrick eventually returns, TK and Lindblom have been doing well. I wonder if TK moves up. I mean, Kevin Hayes is thriving on lesser competition at the 3C. Everybody but Couturier seems to be doing well, and it's so <clears throat> weird. So uh, maybe they try uh, Nolan Patrick at wing, but uh, maybe we got to dial down our 70-point projection on Couturier, we were pretty confident that when everybody else regressed last year, like Giroux went from 102 points to like 81 or something. Couturier, he actually stayed the same. So he was the only one that didn't get hit by that regression bug. I think with him losing that kind of time on ice, we got to dial it down, maybe even 55, 50 points for Couturier on the second line. All right, so next up on Cold Streaks is a guy who he did have a good last year, but this year, Eric Gustafson. He's down on the third pairing at at even strength, playing with Dennis Gilbert. Who are you, Dennis Gilbert? Who? Who? This is a weird trend that I'm starting to notice is power play quarterbacks, Gossis Bear, Keith Yandel, Eric Gustafson, all on the third pairing. It's really weird. I guess they're they're like shunning the offensive defenseman anymore. Yeah, I mean, I'll give you that. He still is on the top power play. Chicago is at a 9.7% clip on the power play, which is fifth from the bottom. Tied with Anaheim, if that gives you any frame of reference. Calm down. He's still playing with Patrick Kane on that power play. He's still playing, playing with DeBrinket. It'll come if he still is on that power play. Um, his shot rate is down by half, however. Hits and blocks also down. Primary assists down by almost 65%. Come on, this is almost getting a little too scary for me. His offensive zone versus defensive zone is exactly where it was from last year. His on-ice shooting percentage is actually up 5% from last year, but he just can't get on it. Where where are you at with this one? So you were saying about their power play being fifth from the bottom. Last year, they were middle of the pack, 20%. Gus had 18 power play points last year. That was 30% of his total for the year. And I think without the power play clicking, Gus is not going to get anywhere close to the totals he put up last year, which was out of nowhere. I actually saw him in some top 10s this year, which is kind of crazy going into drafts, which... Well, I would have told people to back off of that, but uh, whatever. Gustafson's IPP is at 8% at even strength. Last year was at 50, 8%. Is not good. Uh, 50% is about average for a D-man. At all strengths, it's half what it was last year. And on the power play, strangely enough, it's a 100% IPP. So he's had a part of every goal on the power play while he was on the ice. You know what is good is Adam Boquist is not exactly studying it up in the AHL right now. He's got no points in five AHL games. 13 shots, though. Uh, the Rockford Icehogs are 2-5-0 right now. Dylan Sakura is actually leading the team with five points and seven. So with those kind of totals leading your team, they're not exactly an offensive powerhouse right now. So don't don't read too much into this Boquist cold streak. I'm just trying to paint a picture that says even if Boat comes up, that Gus is still going to be the guy on the top power play. Uh, Jonathan Taze, man, same deal, same team. He had 81 points last year, 23 of which were on the power play. That's 25% of his production, over 25% actually. Two shots a game right now, that's down a hefty amount, almost three last year. I was pretty sure that he was going to get somewhere in the neighborhood of 60 to 65 points, but right now he's only got two in 10 games. People are starting to drop Taze. You know, they're thinking about, oh, I can pick up a Paul Stasny and get rid of Taze. I can pick up a Jacob Silverberg. I think the expectations were going to be tempered coming into this year. He's not going to flirt with point per game again. Are we in for another 50-point dud of a season from Taze? 
He's only been on the ice for eight Blackhawk goals this year. They're bottom five of the league for goals four per game. Only New Jersey, Minnesota, Detroit, and Ottawa are worse off than Chicago. Chicago also has the second least goals scored on the season with only 25 goals. New Jersey's the only team with less, and they've played one fewer game. So what can we reasonably expect out of Taze? His current line mates are Drake Kajula and Patrick Kane. He spent most of his time so far this year with Dabrinkit and Kajula. And last year, the Kane, Kajula, and Taze line was the most common combo for Taze in his third quarter of the season. So in that quarter, he actually put up 25 points in 19 games. So maybe some of that magic can reignite. I don't know. What are you, what are you doing with Jonathan Taze? Holding on to him, and I'm waiting it out. How much more uh, time do you give him? One more week? Two more weeks? Let's say one more week on the on the low end, probably two to three on the high end. I mean, it, you have to try to train him, at least get something for him. Don't just drop Jonathan Taze. I, I'm not dropping him, at least not yet. All right. Um, so next up we have Mikhail Granlin. He has no points in his last six with eight shots, 16 minutes average time on ice, and two and a half minutes on the power play, but no power play points. He's on pace for 30 points. We're looking at 55-plus earlier. On-ice shooting percentage is over double what it was last year. IPP is almost a quarter of what we'd hoped. Coming from 70s, 80s, and now down to 28%. Went last year with an 8-game pointless streak and a 10-game pointless streak. And ended the year with 54 points. And now it's exaggerated by not having Forsberg on his line. He did have those couple big pointless streaks last year and still was able to break 50 points. Okay, so next up is Blake Wheeler. Three goals, three assists, and 12 games played. His shooting is 3% less than his career average. Time on ice is still spectacular. His on-ice shooting percentage is even high. IPP close to half what he has posted in his career. It's 40 compared to almost 73% IPP as a five-year aggregate. His expected goals for is pretty much on par with what is expected. That's a dumb fucking sentence. <laughs> it's it just, he's scoring goals at exactly the rate that they think he that. should. Wheeler has always been a playmaker. It's like a three to one assist to goals ratio standard, you know, through the, through the last few seasons. And he doesn't score many goals. He scores, he, right now he's on pace for 21 goals, which would be exactly in line with what we expect from a Blake Wheeler. But you would think that the assists are almost triple what they are now. Digging into that, uh, the on-ice shooting percentage is about where it would be. And his shots are in line. It's the assists that are down, way down. He's 0.7 per 60 versus around 2 per 60 in, over the last five years. So what's going on? Kyle Connor, Mark Scheifele are his line mates right now. 12 games in, he's seen like Brian Little as a center. Line A, Ehlers as line mates as well. I don't know if continuity is a part of it. Connor is struggling. He's shooting at almost half his career average. Scheifele... He's shooting a little bit less than normal. The shooting percentage is about where we would think. Goals per 60 is down by 0.4. Ehlers is doing okay. Line A is shooting about half as successfully, and he's also shooting two shots less per 60. It seems like Wheeler, whose bread and butter is assist, everybody that he's passing to, all those guys, they're not shooting as much, and they're not shooting as successfully. So that's my best guess as to whether or not the ship is going to be righted soon. I don't know. I'd like to think so. Do I think that Patrick Liney is a 9% shooter or 15-ish percent shooter? I think we're going to see more out of Patrick Liney. And then you also have to take a look at the Winnipeg power play. It was fourth in the league last year at 24.8%. This year, it's 10th from the bottom at almost 16.3%. So 
For someone who had 33 power play points, that was one-third of his total last year. You really need that power play to click. And maybe without Bufflin, that the power play is going to take a small dip. But you still got the firepower used to do the work for you. So that's my best guess as to what is going on with Blake Wheeler. Everybody around him can't score. And that's where Wheeler makes his money. All right, let's get into Keith Yandel, your guy. Yeah, who got me an assist tonight. Yandel is coming off the number two ranked power play, getting 78% of his points last year on that same power play, seeing four less minutes average time on ice than he saw last year, with power play time on ice staying just around the same. However, he is, like you said before, down onto that third defensive pairing. The power play struggles in Florida that we've all seen so far this year. They are six for 33 this year. Yandel had a say in three out of six of those power play goals. One of them he scored even with his dip on ice time. His shots are still there. He's on pace for 193 this year. Same, Pretty much same as Wheeler, Gustafson, uh, those guys that we talked about earlier. The power play needs to get fixed down there. It's a perfect buy-low situation. He's even getting 15% more offensive zone starts. You would think he would be getting on the scoreboard more. So... Go buy low on Keith Yandel. Yeah, yeah, I think uh, we're still going to see a 50-point floor out of the guy. That power play needs to needs to step up for both Hoffman and Yandel. Uh, we got two more guys here, man. Tyson Berry and Jacob Truba. Uh, so on the flip side of Jake Muzzin, Tyson Berry is ice cold. What's colder than being cold? Ice cold. Well done. He has no points in 10 games played. 23 shots in that span. With 22 minutes and 15 seconds average time on ice and two minutes power play time on ice, about half of what he saw last year. He had 25 power play points playing with McKinnon, Landeskog, Rantanen, insert player here. And now he's playing with Trevor Moore, Spezza, Kasperi Kapanen, and Alex Kerfoot. What did you think was going to happen? We told you. This cold streak isn't really what I expected. I mean, I thought it would be not what it was last year, but I thought it would be a little better than this. I don't know what to expect for the rest of the year. I think 40 points is doable, but geez, I'm starting to worry here. Yeah, if you listen to us on the five-hole podcast, man, you knew that we were low, 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 low on Tyson Berry. He was breaking into some top 10s out there but uh you know that we were dead set on projections of around 40 points so maybe 10 pointless games it's not what we were thinking was going to happen but nobody in the history of the toronto maple leafs is ever going to score 25 power play points from the second power play playing with jason spezza 59 points far from doable 40 points would be nice all right our last guy jacob truba he's got 28 hits 25 blocks 32 shots in nine games He's on pace for 55 points, so I'm wondering why are people freaking out? Is it because he was bumped off the power play? He's going to get it back. Just because that New York has had some light weeks that maybe we're seeing guys like John Carlson, Ryan Ellis with all these points, and maybe we're freaking out, thinking about jumping ship, selling low, uh, uh, just a bit reactionary because of this power play shift. He did see under 20 minutes against Boston. That was the first time he's seen under 22 minutes even with the Rangers. So don't panic. Buy low if possible. Truba is going to get back on the score sheet soon enough. And until then, just enjoy the three and a half shots per game, three hits per game, and 2.8 blocks per game. Just quit bitching. He's going to get it back. That's it for this episode, guys. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at FHF Hockey. Follow the Locked On Fantasy Hockey page at LO underscore Fantasy NHL as well. 
feel free to join our fantasy hockey discord i'm going to put the link in our description for anybody interested thanks for listening guys we love you and we're going to catch you tomorrow love you